following is a gospel recording from the Church of Christ. There may be concepts and terms that are difficult to understand. Please visit us to learn more. I appreciate uh, your presence here this evening as we continue this study uh, about Jesus and the reason for him. Certainly this sermon and this lesson is not all inclusive or exclusive in the sense that that everything or every reason for Jesus is going to be in this lesson, but I hope that we can have at least a good foundation that will allow us to, to contemplate our relationship with Him every single day. And with that contemplation of that relationship, that it will grow stronger day by day. And growing stronger day by day, we can look forward to the one day that we will be delivered, stand before Jesus as our judge, and hear the words, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of heaven. When we think about the reason for Jesus, all we have to do is look around us. Look around the world and, and see the, the despair and see certainly the immorality. See the things by which has entered into this world. The reason Jesus is here is for really one reason. We find it in John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so we understand that God loved us so much, but there's a reason why he loved us. As a matter of fact, he knew where man would end up just shortly after he created him from the dust of the ground, Genesis 2 and verse 7. He knew that sin would one day enter into the world. And so we see the very first prophecy of Jesus in the very first book of the Bible, when Moses recorded for us there, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. There Jesus, or there God is telling us that Satan is going to be defeated, that he's going to receive a crushing blow to his head through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, while Jesus will bruise his heel, having to go to the cross at Calvary. We see the prophecies continue all throughout the Old Testament. But the fact that he would be born of a virgin, the greatest sign that man everywhere would know that God had truly kept his promise that he would send him. There Isaiah wrote, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and should call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 7, verse 14. This evening I want us to look and five different reasons as to why Jesus, uh, or the reasons for Jesus. When we think about his, his journey to this earth, become a man while being 100% deity at the same time, knowing that he has suffered in every way just as you and I, yet he was without sin. And so, as we begin our journey tonight, we need to understand the reason for Jesus, number one, is the fact that... It was the sin of the world. It was the sin of the world. If you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, we began to see how sin entered into the world. 
And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took up the fruit thereof and did eat and also gave unto her husband with her. And he did eat. Genesis 3 and verse number 6. Now think about that situation. God had just created them and placed them in the garden, the garden of Eden. They had a paradise in which to live. And within that paradise, they had everything they needed to sustain them. God told them of every tree of, of, of the garden that they could partake of, except of this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But it was only when Satan would rear his head in the garden that he would come in the form of a serpent and challenge Eve and challenge really the word of God. And when he made it sound good, and when he made it to the point where she was tempted, she began to believe the lie which God was telling or which Satan was telling her. And so as believing that lie that she would turn and she would partake of that fruit of that tree, that forbidden tree, and she would eat and she would give to her husband with her. It's amazing to me how that's written in the scriptures. And the fact is that the entire time that, that Eve is sitting there talking to the serpent that you see, it sounds as if uh, Adam was standing right there with her in that process. But we also know that wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, that all have sinned. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. I understand that there's parts of the religious world that like to take this verse and use that a man is born in sin. Not what the verse is teaching at all. But it's teaching that by the process of that, that all men would suffer. Suffer death in the sense that, that man could have had a mortal life living in the garden had sin not entered there. <clears throat> but we need to understand what sin does to us. We understand that sin separates us from God. In Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not slack, or is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Think about it, the tragedy that must be in understanding that when we sin, when we chose, when we choose to sin, we choose to do that which is contrary to the will of God, that we are separated from that God. That God that loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son. That you and I, as we begin to think about and contemplate our lives and think about our relationship with God, that when sin becomes a part of that, then we need to understand that Jesus is the reason. That we are the reason that we need Jesus. It is the fact is that you and I cannot make it any other way without Jesus. We understand that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3, verse 23. The Bible teaches that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans 6, verse 23. The Bible tells us and defines very clearly what sin is. The Bible says, Whosoever commits sin transgresses also the law, for the sin is the transgression of the law. 1 John 3, verse number 4. So with knowing what the identity of sin is and what sin can do, that we transgress against God's law, and then we turn around because of that transgression, we're separated from God. 
the reason for Jesus is the fact that we need a sacrifice. Sin needed that sacrifice. And the fact is, if you begin to understand what the sacrifice truly means and what the sacrifice system that God had in mind all along, we can go back to the Old Testament examples. If you have your Bibles this evening, I hope that you will open them with me to Exodus chapter 12. In Exodus chapter 12, we begin to see in the Old Testament system about how blood is used in order for sins to be forgiven. But in this case, the sins weren't, sins weren't forgiven, but rather they were rolled forward. But there was also a very detailed system in how this would truly happen. In Exodus chapter 12, when you begin looking in the first five verses, we see that a lamb had to be chosen. That a lamb had to be chosen. And in verse number five, if you'll read with me, that your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, and you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, that they would take this lamb without spot and without blemish. Because with a spot or a blemish, it would detract from the value of that lamb. And then in verse 6, that after the lamb is chosen, there's great care given to that lamb, a great compassion. In verse number 6, you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So you're going to keep this lamb for 14 days. Now remember, you had to choose it without spot and without blemish, and you had to keep it without spot and without blemish for those 14 days. But then when you read verses 6 and 7 together, we understand that there had to be a sacrifice. Verse 6 said that you kill it. Verse 7 says that they were to put the blood in a special place. And they shall take the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the house wherein they shall eat. So think about that, that they would take the blood from that sacrificed animal, the one without spot, without blemish, and they would put it in a proper place, exactly where God said to place it. You place it on the, on the doorpost and on the mantle, and then when God saw the blood, that he would pass over that house. That would lift them from the curse or from the plague of the death of the firstborn. But when we learn, notice verses 8 through 11, there's something else. <clears throat> that the conditions become very clear. And you shall eat the flesh in that night, roasted with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs you shall eat it. Eat it not, eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus ye shall eat it with your loins girded, with your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And so the children of Israel knew in order to avoid the plague that was going to come upon them that they would choose this lamb in this way. And choosing this lamb in this way that they would take it that very same night that they would kill it and eat it. But notice what they had to do. They had to kill it. They had to take the blood and put it on the doorpost. And then they had to come into the house where the blood was. They would consume the lamb that same night. And it was to be prepared in a rightful manner. And that they were to apply the blood in that case. Now the Bible tells us 
that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Hebrews 9 and verse 22. But the Apostle Paul also said, Purge out the therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ is our Passover, is sacrifice for us. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse number 7. That Christ is our Passover. Now think about that. That Passover lamb without spot and without blemish. What was Christ without sin? The fact that his blood needed to be taken and put in a certain place. It needed to be it needed to be set on the tree of Calvary. But at the very same time with that sacrifice, that blood needed to be applied. And with that blood being applied, that all men everywhere could have the possibility of eternal life. For the Bible says, For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats that should take away sins. Hebrews 10 at verse number 4. The reason for Jesus. The reason for Jesus was the sin in the world. The reason for Jesus is a, needed, a sacrifice was needed. But also the reason for Jesus was to offer salvation. Was to offer salvation to all men. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 27. That Jesus had come into this world for one purpose. The Bible says that she brought forth the first. Uh, in, I'm sorry. In in. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 27 that his name shall be named Emmanuel for he shall save his people from their sins. This is, this is the purpose of Jesus. Jesus came here with the purpose not only to do the will of the Father but the fact is to offer you and to offer I and offer me the opportunity of salvation. Neither is there salvation in any other, in any other for there is none other name in, under heaven among men given by where, whereby we must be saved. Acts 4, verse number 12. We're saved by the blood of Christ. The Bible tells us that unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Revelation 1 and verse 5. If we think about this for just a moment, if we were to go all the way back to the cross of Calvary and we began to see Jesus being crucified. You remember that he stayed upon the cross and they didn't want his body to be there on the Sabbath day. And so then they went to haste his death and when they came to him, they saw that he was dead already. In verse uh, John chapter 19 and verse 34, we're told that when the Roman soldiers came to him and he was dead already, they break not his legs, but the Roman soldier thrust in his side a spear and forthwith there came out blood and water. <clears throat> well, if Jesus uses blood to wash away our sins we know that Jesus shed his blood in his death what does that mean for you and I well it means the offer of salvation the apostle Paul put it this way when he wrote know you not that so many of us as were baptized into and were baptized into Jesus Christ we were baptized into his death therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Think about what happened there, the way that Paul put it. Paul said that when we were baptized, we were baptized into the death of Jesus. Why is that important? That's where Jesus shed his blood. You remember the spear in his side. 
and forthwith there came out blood and water. But then he says that when we're buried with him by baptism, we are buried with him by baptism. And the fact is, we go down into a watery grave. What do we do with the dead? Well, we bury them. In this case, a spiritual baptism, as one would go down into the watery grave in order to have his sins washed away. How do we know that? Well, if one is baptized into the death of Jesus, he shed his blood in his death, that when one goes down into the grave, then he comes into the contact with the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, how do we know that baptism washes away our sins? Well, we know from the Apostle Paul giving the account of his own conversion. When he was told by Ananias, Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, and have thy sins washed away, calling on the name of the Lord. When salvation is at stake, and we understand that there's no other name by which man can be saved, Jesus we are the reason, or salvation is the reason by which Jesus would come. But also, when we think about the offers of, of salvation, we must also understand that we have a life in which to live after we have been saved. A life that we have to live in order to be pleasing and, and well accepted among God. So the reason for Jesus was not only to offer salvation, but to avoid starvation. We think of this life that many times when we obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, there are some Christians who believe they've done everything they need to do. Now they can go about living their life ever how they want to live it. But God begs us through scripture that we present ourselves a living sacrifice, Paul said in Romans chapter 1, or Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. But also the fact is that we have to continue to hunger and thirst after righteousness. For Jesus said, Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Jesus also said, I'm the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. John 6, and verse 35. Jesus would say, and when he came to him, or would give us the the account of the prodigal son, we begin to, to remember after he had left his, his father, left his or took his inheritance with him, and he goes off into a, a, a faraway country, and then he began to live a riotous living, that while living there, that he ended up in a swine field or into a, 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 a pig pen. The Bible says that when he came to himself, he will say to my father, Father, I've sinned against thee and against heaven. Make me as one of thy hired servants. But the fact is that while he was in that pig pen, the Bible tells us that he would love to have what the pigs were eating. And when he came to himself and said, How many of my hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? And of course, the entire parable there is entirely of the fact that, that the father represents God and, and, and the son represents a wayward child and that he needed to find his way back because he was starving to death. When you stop and you look at the organization of the church and understanding that the, 
the job or the responsibility of elders is to feed the flock of God, Acts 20 and verse 28. That we make sure that, that those individuals who need that nourishment and need that building up, need that edification, and yes, even needing that correction, that they're led in a particular spot, led to a particular place where they can receive that nourishment. Just because we have been saved doesn't mean that we will stay saved or once saved, always saved. We still have to feed upon the Word of God. Again, Jesus said, I'm the living bread which comes down from heaven. <clears throat> if any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. John 6 and verse 50. It's one of the hardest things to watch an individual start to death. One of the situations my family and I are dealing with at this moment is the fact that my mother-in-law has been diagnosed with a disease by which she will probably just starve to death. She's been diagnosed with a disease called ALS, or commonly referred to in the States as Lou Gehrig's disease. It affects their esophagus and it paralyzes their tongue. It makes it where their lungs cannot expand to where they can breathe air. It eventually will affect the limbs and they will only get a certain amount of nourishment through a feeding tube, but never enough to survive. And one of the things that my wife said before we left to come on this trip is I'm afraid to watch my mother starve to death. And that has to be an awful sign. But there's also a spiritual notion to that as well. There are some of our brethren, some of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are starving to death because they have decided to go in a way that God would not have to go. They're leaving the bread of life for the bread of the world. They're leaving the living water of the word of Jesus Christ to a water by which they will drown. And it's all simply because they're starving for what they truly need. When we think of the reason for Jesus, the reason for Jesus is so that we don't starve to death. Not from the physical sense, mind you, but from the spiritual. And also trying to understand just how much he will fill us if we will allow ourselves to be fixed. The reason for Jesus is to avoid starvation. But our next reason for Jesus is in order to survive. In order to survive. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the church at Corinth, wrote to the church at Rome. He told us that, or I'm sorry, when the Apostle Paul was writing to those Christians, those Hebrew Christians in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he said, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, when the Hebrews writer was saying this, when the Hebrews writer was giving us these passages, we need to understand that he was talking about all of the faithful in chapter 11. All the individuals were told that, that were found faithful in the eyes of God. That they trusted God and they obeyed God. And in here, the Hebrews writer tells us that we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. And it literally gives us a, a, a scenery, if you will, of you and I running this race here in this life. And as we're running this race, we have our eyes fixed upon the prize or the, or, or the goal or the finish line. And there at the finish line is none other than Jesus Christ. And at the same time that he's the author and finish of our faith, but we're, we're compassed about with this great cloud of witnesses. So we're, we're compassed about all along the sides of us, those individuals who were faithful, who have gone on before us. And it's if that we can look back on their example as we're running this race as if they're saying, I finished it, so can you. There's just a little more to go. We can do this. Keep on keeping on. That's why when we think about people like Abraham, we think about people like Noah, we think about people like Sarah, and we think about people like Moses, that we understand that they were against all odds when it comes to the odds of the world. But with God on their side, they were a majority in the sense that they could not be defeated as long as they were standing or walking with God. That's what those witnesses mean to us. The Bible tells us though we were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. The fact is that it was as a man here in this earth, the fact that he got stronger physically and emotionally every single day that he lived here because of the things by which he would suffer. And so the Bible commands us to be faithful unto death and we're promised a crown of life to those who will be found faithful. Revelation 2 and verse number 10. To receive that crown will be the greatest joy that man has ever known. You won't find it here upon this earth, but he'll find it because he's preparing himself while he's lived here upon this earth. That's why Paul said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15 at verse number 58. The reason for Jesus so that you and I can survive. That you and I can survive in this life. There are other things that we can say that we can certainly go about and think about the sins of this world and how devastating sin truly is. We can go back and we can even say more about the sacrifice in which Jesus made. How terrible that must have been to, to be led up to Calvary and to be crucified in the way that he was crucified. And certainly we could offer great 
joyous words about the salvation. We can read about the individuals like the Ethiopian eunuch who was taken down into the watery grave of baptism and to rise and walk in newness of life. We're told that he went away rejoicing. Acts 8 and verse 38. But at the same time, we can talk about what it means to starve, but the joy is part of what it means to be filled. But we know what it means to survive. We have to survive every day. From the physical standpoint, we make sure that we take great precautions, whether we're driving, walking, riding, it doesn't matter. But the precautions that we must take every single day from a spiritual standpoint is from the fact is that from things like Bible study, prayer, fellowship, the fact is that we get to worship and worship every time God's people assembles so that we can be lifted up and edified knowing that this is going to help us survive. So, the reason for Jesus. The reason for Jesus is because of the sin that came into this world. It's unfortunate that sin had entered the world, but at the same time, we rejoice in the fact that God sent His Son. Because that sin needed a sacrifice. And we knew that the blood of bulls and goats couldn't take away sin, so God knew that in his eternal plan that he would send his only begotten son. And the fact that that son would offer salvation. A salvation whose name is not in any other. We cannot call upon any other religious figure in this world for salvation. But one can call upon the name of Jesus Christ. But the fact is that the reason that he came here is so that you and I can avoid starvation. The starvation that it will allow us to grow further and further away from God. And with that salvation, it's going to take us to, with that starvation, it's going to take us coming to ourselves and saying, my father has plenty to eat. What am I doing? <clears throat> and then, the reason for Jesus is so that you and I may survive. That you and I may survive knowing that the faithful who have gone on before us, who trusted and believed in God, and the fact that it's given us those great examples, but we have the greatest example of all in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that we should follow his steps or his example. And then if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we will have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. First John 1 and verse number 9. I may be speaking to someone here this evening who's never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. The question, whether you ask yourself that question tonight or, or in the coming days or, or at some point in your life, you're going to have to ask, how come I have not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is it because I didn't know enough? What an opportunity for you this evening that we can study together and find out more. Is it the fact that I was afraid? What a great opportunity for you tonight because there's so many here that love you and desire to see you obey the gospel. Maybe it's just the fact is that 
never really understood the reason for Jesus. But knowing now that it was because of my sin, because of your sin, that he had to come to this world in order to offer sacrifice and salvation for all of mankind. This is how one obeys the gospel of Jesus Christ. You must believe that he is the only begotten Son of the Father. Jesus said, If you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Luke 8, verse 24. The Bible also tells us that we must repent of our sins. Jesus said, I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Luke 13, verse 3, 10 and verse 5. But then Jesus would go on to say, If you'll confess me before men, he said, Do what I confess before my Father, which is in heaven. Matthew 10, verse 32. But then he said, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be condemned. Mark 16, at verse number 16. What about you as a Christian tonight? Those who have obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is the reason you're here tonight because of Jesus? The reason you live your life the way that you live it is because of Jesus? Or is it the fact is that you would be ashamed to say you live your life for Jesus because it's not the way that it ought to be? The Bible tells us that we can come back in repentance and prayer, Acts 8, verse 22. And the Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1 and verse number 9. What a great opportunity. That opportunity is given for one reason, because of Jesus.